Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. today's episode, I chat to my friend Helen about the birth of her son, Otto. Helen is a midwife and a lactation consultant herself, so it's great to hear her share her story from that perspective, as well as as a first-time mother choosing to have a home birth. She shares in depth her experience of pregnancy and then how her birth panned out when her waters broke at just 36 weeks and four days. In this episode, we do also discuss the internal pelvic work, which Helen received to help her manage severe hip pain during pregnancy. And Um, I have explained a little bit more about what that involves in a previous episode, so if you'd like to find out about that, you can just go back to episode two with Joelle and just listen to the first little introduction there because I do give a more in-depth explanation of what's involved with that internal work um, and how it can be used therapeutically during pregnancy or after birth. So I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and thank you as always for listening in. Please feel free to get in touch on Instagram or Facebook if you have any questions, suggestions or feedback. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. Hi everybody, welcome to the podcast today. Um, Today I'm chatting with Helen, a friend of mine from my mother's group about the birth of her little boy Otto. Thank you so much for joining me, Helen. Thank you for having me. So did you want to start by just telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and your family and maybe, um, I know you're a midwife as well, so maybe a little bit about your work? Yeah, sure. So um, my family is me and my partner Tim and now our little seven-month-old Otto. And um, so my background is um, as a midwife and then specialising in um, lactation. So I became a lactation consultant about five or six years ago. Um, so I don't work clinically and haven't done for a few years now as a midwife, but I still have my registration and uh, still use that knowledge. Um, mainly, I well, entirely I worked in the hospital sector, in the public hospital sector as a midwife and as a lactation consultant in a couple of public hospitals and um, in private practice as well. So breastfeeding was definitely something I thought I had down. <laughs> had you had ideas about when you wanted to start a family? Yeah, so he was definitely planned. Um, I met my partner, I guess, relatively late in life. I was in my late 30s. So um, we, you know, we sort of knew from the start, um, well, I knew from the start that I, I wanted to have children and that, you know, we didn't have, I don't know, I guess, years and years and years to hang around and think about it. So, yeah, I think we'd been together uh, maybe a year and a half coming up to two years when we started trying, maybe, yeah, nearly two years when we started trying and we'd had a pretty full-on time anyway we'd we'd sort of um, bought a house together and a big project and moved in together and um, then thought well we're either going to be you know we're, we're going to ha- have to have a baby while we're renovating because um, you know I felt I was too old to <laughs> to wait till that project was done so we just jumped on in and luckily um, it didn't take us many cycles so it was pretty straightforward yeah process so that was good and how did you find out and how were you feeling when you did find out? Well, I actually was um, pregnant the month before um, and I'd been so excited. I'd done the test, you know, like six days before my period was due or something and it was positive and so I was really over the moon and felt that whole sort of golden glow that everyone talks about, you know. It was the first thing I'd think of when I woke up in the morning and I felt fantastic and I felt really confident and then my period came three days late um, and so I'm, I never quite know whether to class that as a miscarriage because it was so early um, but that really devastated me I mean I felt really upset but I mean when I say devastated but it wasn't for you know weeks and weeks and weeks I, I did sort of pick myself up but um, it really sort of shook, shook my confidence so this the next month I got pregnant with Otto and I felt completely different. Um, we were travelling um, in New Zealand at the time and we were about to come home when I did the test and it was also the day we'd got the final costing for this big project that we, this renovation that we were embarking on and it was, you know, was, um, there'd been a, a, an oversight in the, the costing and we'd got the new costing and it was really 
significantly over what we our budget was was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back so I was feeling actually really freaked out and quite frightened about how I was going to manage everything Um, so it was quite a different experience to that first one and I felt much less confident that everything was going to be okay so that was interesting how how different I felt I guess I kind of felt like either I didn't exactly feel like I would I would lose this one I, I don't think I felt like that but I I think I felt like actually this one might stick around and then I'm actually going to have a baby. <laughs> what am I going to do then? Um, then I'm going to actually have to, you know, give birth and raise the, raise the thing. So, um, I don't know, it felt much more realistic in a way. And I guess just the surrounding circumstances were a bit more complicated all of a sudden. And we would, we'd been traveling and I was tired from that and everything as well. So, um, but my, my partner is a philosopher. That's, he's an academic and so he's always very good at helping me talk things through so we we managed (laughs) oh that's probably a beautiful dynamic between the two of you actually yes yeah yeah lovely so uh, where did you go from there did you sort of go to the go to your GP to get a blood test or had you already decided that you wanted to have a home birth and you just look straight into that or well I I always did know that I wanted to have a home birth ever since my student days as a midwife and that was then reinforced by the the hospital system that I knew really well because I'd worked in it for quite a lot of years and um, knew that you could have beautiful births in the hospital, but I just felt like there were so many things I knew that they would want to do that I, I didn't want for, for me, uh, I didn't feel comfortable with. And so I, I'd always known that I'd wanted a home birth, but I think I did have a bit of a shake in my confidence and I also I guess being a bit older I was so I was 40 when he was conceived and 41 when he was born I thought oh maybe you know I'm a bit too old um and I you know I have a bit of anxiety as well so I guess I sort of felt um you know needed a bit of reassurance um so I didn't go to the GP though or anything I think part of the hangover from that previous month was um I didn't want to go to a GP and get all my blood tests and then, you know, have a miscarriage the next week um, and have all, all those blood test results coming in and have it remind me. So I actually didn't go till I was about eight weeks um, pregnant or maybe it was even ten. I can't remember um, at which point the GPs said, well, you better have an early ultrasound because maybe that – what you think was your period wasn't and you're actually still pregnant from the previous month and so you're much further along than you think. Um, so, um, But in the meantime, I also had rang um, the Yarra Valley Midwives and spoken with Lisa because I knew her from um, our midwifery or my midwifery days. Um, so she had been a student midwife when I was doing my graduate program. So I knew her from way back then and then for quite a few years we lived in the same town as well. So I knew her a little bit socially but not in a way that I felt was compromising to a professional relationship. So I rang her really just to have a chat um, and she was really reassuring about my concerns with a home birth and my age and I think her words were, oh, if you want to be high risk for home birth, you're going to have to do better than that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she and she was just so, I felt so comfortable talking to her and confident after speaking to her and um, you know, I had gone through the process of booking into the hospital, just the online form, and it was already labelling me as high risk and wanting me to go and have all these extra um, early, you know, gestational diabetes um, tests and everything. And I just felt, I know, I know that that's all really standard, but it's not specific to me. Um, and I just felt, it just made me feel uncomfortable, whereas speaking with Lisa, I knew that I would get a whole nother level of personalised care and we would be able to work out together what tests were, you know, really appropriate and necessary for me and, and my pregnancy rather than just the generic, um, you know, routine that the hospital does for good reasons when you're looking at that many people. But um, I didn't want to be just lumped in there. Um, and I also found out that in the area where I would have had to go um, because of my age they would have their policy was to induce me at 40 weeks regardless of any other complicating factors and I just felt that was really 
not um, not something I wanted to do and didn't I didn't want to have to fight and argue and have these conversations all the way along. I just wanted to negate that whole um, side of things and be able to relax and try and enjoy the pregnancy. So, yeah, so we ended up, Tim was really supportive. He didn't quite understand why I didn't want to be in hospital, but he, he said, you're the one giving birth, so I'll support you to be wherever you want to be. So, um, yeah, so we booked in with them. I've forgotten the question now. Is that, did that answer the question? <laughs> that was a sorry question. That was <laughs> and, yeah, for those that are listening, um, I thought I'd just mention that Helen and I actually had the same midwives and as did Joelle in a previous episode. So, yeah, we have a little mother's group with all of us and we're slowly working through those stories. So you might hear some familiar names in this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I totally understand, yeah, what you're saying about the level of care that they provide. I mean, it's just, mm. yeah, it's beautiful and supportive. And, and yeah, and I, I also, having known Lisa and I knew what an impressive midwife she was, I knew Robbie a little bit, but not that well. Um, but I knew I felt really safe with Lisa as well. Like I, I knew she wouldn't be doing anything to take, um, uh, any risks um, or anything like that um, and that she would, you know, if she said I needed something, then I, I did. You know, I, I felt I could really trust her. So mm. that was that was reassuring. Yeah, I mean, that's the most important thing, isn't it, that you've been taking care of somebody by mm. someone you trust and, and you don't need to be in that in that midwife brain while you're in labour. Yeah, because I had heard some... Home, I have heard some home birth stories in the past that make me uncomfortable as a midwife. I feel like there was a level of risk taken there that I wouldn't feel comfortable with. So I was really wanted to make sure I had a midwife that I knew would, um, that I felt really confident would know where to draw the line um, in, around safety. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So going on with your pregnancy with Otto, how were you? Yeah. How- Feeling and was there any? Did you have morning sickness or was there anything else that came up throughout the pregnancy? Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed being pregnant because I'd I'd wanted to have a baby and you always knew I wanted to have kids and I was getting older and I thought, oh, maybe I won't have the opportunity. So I really relished being pregnant, but I was pretty uncomfortable from pretty early on. I had a bit of morning sickness; it wasn't that bad. It went by around eleven weeks, I think. Um, but I had then I had really severe migraines which I have anyway but they just got a whole lot worse I was having sort of two or three a week and sometimes they would last for three days so on a really bad week I'd have like you know five or six days of it was gone in in migraines Um, and of course I couldn't take the preventative medication while I was pregnant so I was just having you know Panadol and um, or Panadine actually and um, yeah you can't take Nurofen or you know non-steroidal anti-inflammatories either so I was pretty limited I was having to take a lot of codeine so that was pretty you know a bit, a bit rough and then I also that that sort of eased off by that about 19 weeks though and I started to get far less headaches and then they sort of went all together but then I I had really uncomfortable hips um from quite early on like I think around sort of 18 weeks it started um where I would just um get a lot of pain in my hips and a lot of sort of pulling and pressure down through the the like my lower abdomen um you know which would make my bladder feel really irritated you know even more than 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 ordinarily in pregnancy because normally that that you know I was really amazed how early that bladder irritation started I sort of expected it a bit later um and that was really interesting. Even though I was a midwife, I was like, oh, there's all this really early stuff where, you know, normally we wouldn't even see women in the hospital till they're, you know, 16, 15, 16 weeks. So all this early stuff, I suddenly thought, oh, I don't know this as well as I thought I did. But, um, yeah, so I – and that, that hip pain lasted really the rest of the pregnancy. That was pretty uncomfortable. I you know, I was really being encouraged to do long walks by Lisa initially because there's lots of good, you know, fetal positioning and stretching out ligaments and stuff from doing that. But um, I actually couldn't. In the end, um, the osteopath I was seeing said, no, you really can't keep walking. So I ended up taking up swimming, which I had to do um, to keep up some fitness and stamina, um, which was really good. That, that worked well. But, yeah, I just couldn't. 
any time I would go for a walk, it would just, everything would just sort of seize up, and I had to stop yoga and everything um, after about I think 28 weeks or so. Um, and I actually, I know you discussed it with Joelle in a previous interview, but I had some of that internal pelvic um, body work done as well. But I had Fiona, I don't know if I'm allowed to say names, am I Fiona Hallinan yeah. in, in the city? Yeah, um, beautiful midwife. Well, she's, I think, retired as a midwife now. She's a maternal child health nurse. But she, as far as I'm aware, she sort of pioneered this this way of treating. And yeah, um, she, um, she actually... Um, may have done some training with, uh, sorry, Steffi has done some training with. Yeah, with yeah. her. Yeah, that's what I believe. Yeah. So, and that was absolutely incredible. Um, and I mean, I was really comfortable. I knew about it from years ago, being a midwife. I'd done some workshops with Fiona. Um, so I sort of knew her and I, I knew she was really gorgeous and I felt really comfortable doing that with her. Um, and it was fa- amazing. The next day I had absolutely no pain for that whole next day and then the day after that I thought great well that's sorted and I went for a long walk and then it it sort of came back from there so Mm. um so did you have that a few times throughout the pregnancy and how long did it sort of the effects last well I only had it the once um and then I was doing it myself um you know in the shower but it wasn't as effective and then I saw an osteopath, Heather Cock, who's also done some training with her, and she did a few treatments on me as well. And she's also sort of a friend. I knew her from prior to being pregnant, and so I felt really comfortable with her too. But I, I did plan to go back to Fiona um, when I got to about 38 weeks because we – I mentioned earlier that we'd had that um, – bit of a blowout with the budget for our renovation which meant that we ended up actually selling that property and um, moving when I was 34 weeks so that was all pretty full-on and a bit stressful too and I I couldn't really do anything much with the move because of my um, pelvis so um, yeah that a lot of the pregnancy was a bit of a blur from about packing and (laughs) um, trying to move house so so yeah so we were going to have um, we thought six weeks to get ready for the birth when we moved here because, you know, I was, I know that first babies are often late and my partner was quite convinced that it, they're definitely always late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, famous last words. But anyway, we'll get to that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so I guess going into the birth, what were some of the early signs of your labor starting and how many were you then? Yeah, well, um, I just wanted to also say, actually, um, that we did um, the Rhea Dempsey workshop, um, which just as a bit of a plug for it, if anyone's listening and thinking about it, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, it really, for me, it really helped me think about things as a woman rather than as a midwife and about how my, my reactions might be to labour in a whole new way. And it really helped him as well. And he was such an incredible support that I really don't know if he would have been that good of a support for me in labour if we hadn't done that workshop. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because it really was quite – it really made him understand why I wanted to – why I'd chosen a home birth. It really got – yeah, got that home for him. But so labour starting well. I So we'd moved house and um, we'd had a week of unpacking. I'd had my 41st birthday and then the day after that I got sick. And I just a, a sort of a, a cold, like viral kind of. I won't say it's the flu because I wasn't that sick, but you know, it was um, that kind of a thing. I actually got a bit of a temperature, and I had a, 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 like an incessant cough, and I felt rotten. I had a, the whole week in bed, um, and then we had, I think, one more week where I really was tired, and I couldn't. I was trying to unpack and get things sorted, but I just didn't have the energy, and I kept thinking, well, I've got you know, another two weeks or something to get um, the baby's room, um, you know, get his thing, well, I didn't know it was he at the time, but get get his things um, sorted out and, and go and, you know, get some nappies sorted out and, uh, you know, because there was a lot of things I hadn't bought because we were moving and I thought, well, I'll, I'll get them once we've moved so I don't have to move them. So then, so one more week went by, so we'd been in the house about two weeks and um, two and a half weeks. And it was a Saturday morning. I was just lying in bed and um, chatting with Tim and I felt this little sort of pop and this sort of burning pain under my pubic bone. And I thought, well, that's really weird. 
that actually just feels exactly like what my friend described the other day when she was talking about her labour and about how it felt when her waters broke. <laughs> and I thought, but no, it, surely it wouldn't be because I'm only 36 weeks and four days. And then I moved and I just felt this flood of warm fluid and sure enough, got up to the toilet and, yeah, my waters had broken. Um, and I just thought, oh, my God, this can't happen. You know, I'm not even term yet you know this is going to throw all my plans out and I'm not ready I haven't got any nappies (laughs) we don't have a car seat we don't have anything I had some clothes that my sister had kept over um and and given to me but I hadn't really yeah gone through them or um they were all just still in a bag where they'd been put when we moved in um so and I sort of knew straight away that this meant that we were going to have our baby within the next couple of days at the latest, you know, two or three days at the latest. But we, you know, we weren't going to be able to wait, you know, that long before he was going to have to be born um, just because of the fact that it was prem and prolonged rupture of membranes and all those sort of things. Um, So I rang Lisa and I couldn't actually get her, so I rang Robbie um, and she was great. She got in touch with Lisa because she knew where she was and, they recommended that I go into the hospital for um, some monitoring the CTG um, and just because I was prem, I think they were sort of legally obliged for me to, to, to recommend me to do that at least. So they organised all of that. I didn't have to call the hospital or anything, which was really great. I just turned up there. Uh, I had a bit of a chat with Lisa about what they would probably suggest and so that we could have a bit of a think about what we wanted um, and she sort of su- suggested we hadn't had the GBS swab um, but she Lisa was sort of suggesting well maybe because your waters have broken and you are early maybe that's a good one to have but you know I wouldn't recommend this one and blah 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 so um, we went in anyway and had the CTG which was all fine and I mean I wasn't sick anymore but I was still coughing um so I had to tell them that I had been sick and um they um their advice was or their their sort of policy was to admit me give me double antibiotics so IV and oral antibiotics um and then with a view to and, and do some swabs and if in and blood tests if anything came back positive for any kind of infection then to induce straight away, otherwise to get me to 37 weeks and then induce. Um, and that and was really – sorry. Just going back to your conversation with Lisa when she was sort of yeah. you through what they would offer and a bit of a game plan, had, did mm. you ask then whether they would be happy to support you with a home birth um, given that it was a little bit early? Yeah, I did ask her that um, and she said, she, you know, because it was so close to being termed, she, they were quite comfortable um, because it was only two days off or three three days off being term um, because, you know, 37 weeks is technically term even though it's, it's early term. Um, so they were happy. Um, I, I think we I did have quite extensive conversations with her to, to reassure me about what my options were. Um, and yeah, um, as far as I can recall, yeah, she, she was happy with everything. It was, but she was also really, um, was sort of frustrating at the time because I kind of wanted her to tell me what to do, but she actually never did. She just said, these are your options. You know, remember that you are a healthy, um, low risk woman that, you know, will support you, whatever you decide to do. And, you know, whether that's in hospital, if that's what, you know, make you feel comfortable with um, in hospital with antibiotics, that's absolutely fine. If it's at home, that's absolutely fine. You know, she really, I tried to get her to tell me what to do, but she she really wouldn't. So, you know, and I, I, I can appreciate that she couldn't. And, you know, I, I think that was, it was the right thing to do because it had to be our decision. Because whatever we decided to do, there were risks involved. Um, I really didn't want to have antibiotics unnecessarily because I know there's so much research coming out now about the, the risks of the antibiotics themselves and the issues they can cause for babies and gut colonisation and all sorts of things like that. But I also knew that there was a risk that... Um, you know, he that there was an infection and that that's why my waters had bro- broken, although I didn't feel like there was. Um, I didn't 
I didn't really know, you know. Um, so in the end, we, you know, I found it actually really stressful and that's where Tim, my partner, was amazing at helping me to just break it down and think about the different aspects and what our different options were and, um, you know, that's, that's sort of what he does for a living. So that was really useful to have those skills um, to refer to. But, um, yeah, we in the end anyway, we decided to – we had a blood test, we had um, two like a high vaginal swab and the GVS swab and but declined to be admitted and have the antibiotics and come home. And we said we were happy to come back in the next day and have another CTG and to have the discussion again and, uh, you know, just keep going day by day. Um, they wanted to know when I would consent to have these things and I just said, look, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm only looking a day at, you know, for the next 24 hours and we will make a decision again based on the membranes. But, I don't feel at the moment that I want to have antibiotics. And once we'd made the decision, they were actually fine with it. They just got us to sign a, you know, against medical advice form and, um, yeah, we, we came home because um, I wasn't having any contractions. But I did have a few that night. I, I was also monitoring my temperature every four hours um, as well and checking the colour of the waters and all that sort of thing. So if any of that had changed, we would have gone in. So, yeah, so the overnight I had a couple of pretty mild contractions, but they were, you know, I woke me up. Um, and then in the morning, I was starting to have really mild contractions. Um, and I felt like they were really far apart, but they were actually about every sort of three ish minutes, but then they would go irregular. And, um, so Lisa said, we'll just quickly go in, get your CTG done and come home. So it's out of the way and, you know. You don't have to go in later in the day when things might be ramping up. And they, they just, we, we did that and the CTG was perfect. And, um, the, they were quite happy. They knew, I, um, it was a hospital I'd worked at previously. So they knew, um, I didn't actually really see anyone that I knew there, but, um, I think they knew that I was a midwife and I don't know if that made any difference to the way we were treated, but the doctor we saw on the second day was like so you know what we recommend have you changed your mind at all and we said no and she went all right then sign this and off we go so but I was getting quite uncomfortable with the contractions in the hospital I had started to have some quite strong ones and I think the doctors were taking ages at one point Tim went out and said look you know we know they're busy but we really want to go home so if they want to speak to us they better come in the next 10 minutes or Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, just, we're gonna discharge ourselves. And sure enough, they came in the next five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we rang. And the other thing was, I knew that I'd, I'd asked the hospital that if we had given birth there, like I knew they wouldn't let me in the bath because we were, um, technically a little bit under term and that they wouldn't really want Otto at least to be discharged, um, for, I think like, at least like 48 hours, 72 hours or something because they'd want to, they'd want to monitor his blood sugars and do blood tests to check for any infection and there'd be all this extra surveillance of him, which I was happy to have if there was any sign whatsoever that he was unwell, but I didn't really want to have all of that if he was perfectly fine. Um, so anyway, so we came home and we rang Lisa as we were leaving the hospital to say uh, I was really yeah, starting to get uncomfortable and I you know, wanted her to come over. Um, so she was going to come and meet us at home. Um, and so I had a pretty uncomfortable car ride home. I can just remember Tim taking a bit of a wrong turn from the GPS and it t- took him a different way. And so we went, turned into this street and I just looked up because I was sitting in the back in the middle so I could hold on to the two front seats when I had a contraction. And I looked up and I could just see speed hump after speed hump after speed hump <laughs> up this road. And I just remember going, oh, no, speed humps. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, so that was a pretty uncomfortable ride home, but we made it. Um, and we we hadn't got the birth pool or a pump or anything like that sorted out. And I, I just – think I'd thought I just couldn't get my head around it so much was going on and I I just thought well we just won't have a pool um because I just couldn't get get it organized from the day before I was too thrown by the whole turn of events um and so we were at home and I was actually starting to get really uncomfortable and have my first sort of 
like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do this sort of crisis of confidence that Rhea talks about in her workshop a lot. And this strange car drives in and I knew it wasn't one of the midwives' cars and this random guy gets out and I'm like, Tim, it's a stranger, it's a stranger, I don't know who it is, get rid of them, get rid of them. I just completely couldn't deal with someone I didn't know turning up at the house and um, he's like, okay, okay, and he, he goes out. It turned out just to be um, some previous clients of the midwives were dropping their pool to us, the birth pool to us, because they hadn't had a chance to return it to the midwives, so they brought it straight to us. Um, so that was fine. Um, and, yeah, things just then at some point the midwives turned up and I was just really starting to feel, um, yeah, I, I remember saying to Lisa, I feel scared and she said, look at me, I'm, I'm not worried, I'm not worried, your baby's going to be fine. I'm like, I'm, I'm not worried about the baby, I'm worried about me and how I'm going to manage to do this. And um, I just was thinking about a friend of mine's, comment that I the the one I'd been talking to a few days before who had said when she was in labor another she's also a midwife and another midwife friend of ours had said to her before she went into labor it's totally doable it's really painful but it's really doable and she'd said the same to me and she'd said that's what she'd held on to in labor and so I was thinking about that and thinking well Kara says it's doable but it doesn't feel very doable at the moment And it, it wasn't even that it was so painful. It's just so intense, you know. It's just this something has taken over your body, and I just I didn't know what to do with myself when the contractions came. I just couldn't get comfortable. So that was the main thing. Um, so then Robbie arrived, and um, did Robbie you, and Tim. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Did did Tim manage to set up the birth pool and and kind of get that sorted before they arrived? No, not before they arrived. He had sort of assumed that it came with a pump and I knew, I kind of knew that it didn't, but I hadn't really kind of got my head around. That was, I was going to organise all that, you know, in the next two weeks. That was going to be my project was getting all those things ready. But um, so he, no, they actually spent quite a long time trialling different. Um, he had a, a bike pump that didn't fit. They tried blowing it up by mouth, but that was clearly not going to work. Robbie was Googling how to make a vacuum cleaner work in reverse so they could try and blow it up. And I think I was saying, I don't think our vacuum cleaner does that. Um, and eventually Tim sort of thought he could remember that we had this pump that we'd bought for another reason and he thought it might be over in the shed and he went over to where he thought it was and thank goodness it was there and it was a little electric pump for Lilo's and so he man- they managed to blow it all up and then they had another whole rigmarole trying to get it filled with hot water because we hadn't got any, we didn't have a hose sorted out to go from the tap to the pool, <coughs> excuse me, and um, so that, that kept them busy for quite a while. I was really not that aware of what what was going on, but they've they've told me in in retrospect how how hard it was getting that all sorted. Um, and I just remember at one point going, "Is it all working out okay?" And they just went, "Yep, it's all fine." And I'm like, "Okay, I don't know why they're getting so many pots out, but all right." So they filled it up with yeah pots of water boiled on the stove, and um, we randomly happened to have three kettles, so they were all going, and they they did it, they did it. Um, so yeah, that was a real feat for them to get that organized. We actually donated the midwives our little pump after the birth to say, just put that in your car. So if you ever have this situation again, <laughs> you've got a pump to blow up the birth pool for your clients. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah. sort of in that time when they were getting the pump ready and before you got in the water, how were you, what were you doing to manage sort of the contractions or the pain at that time? Yeah, well, they, I guess they were, they were, I thought at the time that I was really in full on labor, but they were actually quite irregular still. I, I think I spent a bit of time on the couch and then I needed to open my bowels. So I went and sat on the toilet for a while. And I remember, God, cause I'd, I'd heard some stories at, um, one of Steffi's birth circles about labors that went on at home for like four days. And, and I was thinking, Oh my God, if this goes on for four days, I can't handle it but I also if we have if we do have to go to hospital I cannot handle another car ride and I was having actually a bit of a freak out just in my own head but I didn't I kind of knew that it was just a normal freak out and I didn't really want to say anything because I knew that they'd just I knew what they would say 
um, you know, how encouraging that would be and everything. And I kind of didn't need to hear it. I just needed to have the thoughts mm. and then kind of move on. And Lisa um, came to me in the bathroom at one point and um, I remember, you know, saying that, um, saying to her, am I in proper labour now? And she went, I don't know, honey. And I remember thinking, why doesn't she know? What's going on? What does she mean? But I thought I'm not going to ask her because I don't want her to tell me I'm not. <laughs> um, and then shortly after that, they, she got me to um, actually go outside with Tim and walk around the house doing big giant steps with my knees out to the side and I was felt like there's no way I could actually do that. But, but then I did manage to and we did a whole circuit around the house because um, I had this this pain on my left side of my pelvis that just wouldn't it wasn't excruciating but it wouldn't go away between the contraction in a big lunge with my left leg up on a chair um which was really uncomfortable but that actually really helped the pain it it eased off right after that and so Lisa said from then on well from when I did that walk that from then on my contractions were absolutely every three minutes and that's when they've started my labor like my labor officially started you know as, as being really regular Mm-hmm. Um, and so I pretty much got in the pool straight away then after that. Um, and the pool point, it seems like about half an hour to when he was born, but it, I mean, it was a, a few hours. It was, it, in the end, it was only a three and a half hour labor, um, class from that point. Um, so it was quite fast, but I obviously was in the pool for a couple of hours at least. Um, but it was so beautiful to get into that hot water and, I, I just could change position and just having that buoyancy and not having that heaviness and having to support my whole body weight made a huge difference. And I could sort of doze between the contractions. They, I felt like they'd got, they've got really spaced out, but they, they didn't, but they just felt, yeah, I felt so relaxed between them. And then I, at some point, I was sort of just groaning, I guess, with the contractions and then, at one point I felt myself do that sort of really guttural kind of <clears throat> sort of sound and I you know my midwife brain kicked in a little bit and I went oh that wasn't really voluntary and I my ears pricked up to see Lisa and Robbie were sitting at the back of the room just talking quietly I guess they were doing some notes and things like that and Tim was with me and I remember thinking huh, I wonder if they heard that I wonder if they think it means anything. And I couldn't hear any change in their voices, like in the, in the volume or any kind of pause or anything. And I thought, oh, oh well, I'll just, I won't worry about it. I'll just keep going. And then, um, you know, it didn't happen every contraction. It was, had a few contractions after that where that, I didn't have that. But then gradually it started to happen more and more. And, um, yeah, I just started to, to push, I guess. Um, and no one ever said, right, you're, I, I didn't have any internals. I mean, I think they were trying to avoid them because of risk of um, infection as well. But I, I, you know, everything was clearly progressing mm. pretty quickly, I suppose. And yeah, yeah. How did it? How did it feel when you were pushing him? Was it really involuntary, or did you need to kind of concentrate and try to push him consciously? Yeah, I think a bit of like it. It did feel involuntary if I let myself get to that point. I, I sort of felt like. If I vocalised to a certain volume, then I would go into a an involuntary push. But I kind of, I suspect, and I kind of was doing that, but I, I sort of feel like if I had just tried to breathe through and not push, then I, I would have been able to. But once I started pushing, then it was quite hard to stop um, with each contraction. Um, mm. And I just changed positions a little bit and I'd had, I had Tim with me um, the whole time he was just so fantastic just talking me through and re-encouraging me and everything um and they did make me eat something at some point which I really didn't want to but they made me and I I did I swallowed it and um I I had uh, my sister and another friend sort of on call if I needed them during the labor and I'd sort of said to them after after discussions with Lisa and Robbie about how it's different at home to a hospital birth and how often it's much more intimate and you don't necessarily need all the support people that you might need in hospital because it's your own home environment. Mm. Um, and 
actually that was absolutely right. I totally could not have anyone else coming into the space that would have really thrown me. I just needed our little team. Um, and yeah, I just, I didn't want anybody else there at all. I mean, and I guess because it was quite quick too, I didn't have that long drawn out where Tim had to go and have a sleep and, you know, things like that. Um, but for us anyway, it was, it was perfect just having the, the three of them. And, um, so then at some point I didn't really know what was happening, but Tim went away and Robbie took over and I, that took, give me a bit of a, I had to shift my mind a bit from, Tim's energy supporting me to Robbie. I remember that being a little bit of a jolt for me, but that was because Tim was getting um, his bathers on to hop in the pool with me. Um, mm. And I remember when I was pushing at one point, um, I was sort of saying, because they had some torches out so they could see if, if anything was coming. And I remember saying, can you see anything? And Lisa's like, oh, I can't really see anything. You know, why don't you, you know, if you want, put your finger inside and just see if you can feel the head. And I was like, but what if it's really far away and I can't feel it? That'll really mess with my head. And she's like, well, you know, it might be, you don't know. And so I said, oh, I won't. And then at some point I was changing position and, like, as I was moved, I, I sort of thought I'll just put a little sneaky finger inside and no one will know I've done it and <laughs> somehow that will avoid the pressure of, you know, wanting to feel the head. And, and anyway, the head was just just, like, up to my knuckle inside the vagina. I could feel... And so I, I told them and, um, yeah, I said, oh, there's a, there's a bit of caput there as well, which is, you know, they get a little bit of swelling sometimes on their head. It feels a bit sort of spongy. Um, and Lisa was like, oh, I bloody midwife. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember explaining to Tim what that was. And um, anyway, so, yeah, I just kept pushing. And then, then the head was sort of crowning and um, they um, was – starting to get me to, to try and pant rather than push, um, which I was able to do. But I, every time I did that, um, oh, sorry, dog. every time I did that, um, they, uh, everything would stop. He just wouldn't progress any further. And um, I had um, all the pressure I felt was at the front of my vagina rather than at the back. I didn't had a bit of pressure at the back, but I didn't have that real sense that women talk about of feeling like the baby's coming out of the anus at all. I had everything that was really felt really tight and lots of pressure at the front. And um, after a while, I was on all fours, uh, sort of leaning up or on my knees, leaning up forwards against the side of the pool. And um, at some point, I think Lisa said, why don't you actually sit back and that'll take a bit of pressure off the front because I was I was sort of saying that's really like it was really burning and I felt like it was just going to rip there was no room there um, um and so I did that and I still though every time I started panting his head just stopped um progressing and I, I didn't have a particularly long second stage at all I think it might have been on paper like 50 minutes or something like that but um, I think coming up to that, she said, why don't you just keep pushing then, you know? Um, and, uh, so I did. I, I, and then that contraction, I just kept pushing the whole way. And then his head and body was all born in the one go, except his feet. <laughs> his little feet were still sitting inside. So I had to reach down and pull his feet out, um, and lifted him up. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I missed that. Did, did you catch him yourself or did Tim catch him? I caught him, yeah. So I was leaning back in and Tim was cradling me, um, behind me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was, yeah, that was great. And, um, but it was really sore. I, I had, um, I, I, even after he was born, I still had a lot of pain where, you know, around my labia. Um, mm. and it was really stinging, um, in the water and, um, so that, that was still pretty uncomfortable. But, but, you know, I was sort of totally in love with holding this little baby and we worked out that he was a boy and all those sort of things. And I remember just saying to him, you know, that, oh, I really love you. And I, I, I didn't know if I would, but I do because I, I, I had been worried. I, I also have, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, which I should have mentioned to begin with, but, um, and, and sort of on the Ella's Danlos hypermobility spectrum which are all cause things like low blood pressure and, and fatigue and things and I'd been worried in the pregnancy that if I was so tired 
that I would resent him for making me so tired because I would get to the point where I'd feel like I couldn't manage. Um, so I was sort of worried a little bit how I would feel, how I would attach to him, but it was, I really felt this surge of love straight away, which was really lovely. Um, and then we just, um, waited for a while and then I think my placenta was born in the pool as well. Um, and I tried to get it out myself, but I just couldn't really do it and it was all very awkward. And in the end, Lisa just, it, it sort of came out, but she just helped to, twist it a little bit to get the membranes out and that stayed attached to Otto for quite a while and um yeah we got out of the pool at some point and they I got onto the onto into our bed and they checked me over and I had just a very minor first degree perineal tear but it was bleeding and it was a little bit of an awkward sort of shape and so they did suture that and also I had a labial tear which they sutured and one that they couldn't suture and then I just had a lot of grazes which were really painful and sort of even more like where the skin had just split um, and uh, one of them the next day I think um, became a bit of a hematoma which was pretty uncomfortable as well so yeah I I, I did feel like I, my body felt really um sensitive and fragile much more so for much longer after the birth than I had expected and mm. I I thought maybe that was my age but then I've spoken to friends who had kids much younger and said no they felt like that too um so yeah I think but I think for me it was at least six weeks before I felt like I could really move around easily and probably three months before I really started to feel a little bit of strength come back yeah <laughs> and I, I don't know whether that's because it was so fast as well. I'm not sure. but And just going back a little bit, how because he was early, was when he was first born, did, did he feel small to you? He was a pretty good size. He was just under 3 kilos, 10 grams off 3 kilos, and his head was 34 centimetres, and 35 centimetres is average for um, a term baby, like a 40-weeker. So he yeah. was actually pretty big. I, I don't know that I would have been able to birth him very easily at all or certainly would have had a lot more damage, I think, if he'd grown a lot more because it, it did feel like a very tight fit um, for me. So I think in a lot of ways him coming early was, was good. I did find out afterwards, like quite a few weeks afterwards, that the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome that I'm sort of on the spectrum of um, – is actually associated with premature rupture of membranes and fast labours. So that was oh, quite interesting. Oh. Mm, I didn't know that before. but um, And I don't, I don't know if that was why or, yeah. But there was the swabs we had done in the hospital, we got them back after he was born and they were all negative. There was, you know, the blood test didn't culture anything. So, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. How was um, it your breastfeeding journey with him? Did he latch on straight away? He he did, and it was quite painful, um, and that was something that was really um, hard, actually, in the sense he he latched on and fed really well, which was great because at that gestation they're often really sleepy and they don't feed that well. Um, but he he did. I just had a lot of pain. I didn't really have much damage, and the damage I had some little grazes that healed up within a few days, um, but I had vasospasm. Um, so I don't know if you know what that is, but um, and just explain a little bit for the listeners. Yeah, so the blood vessels in your nipple can um, just sort of spasm where they contract, and all the blood goes out of your nipple, and it's just really, really painful. Um, and it can be triggered by um, a poor latch, or it can just be cold air, or um, you know, a thrush infection could do it. Um, so I ended up going through. It was just. But, but my nipples would just hurt all the time, even when he wasn't feeding. Um, and um, that surprised me in the learning I had done professionally. Vasospasm is in the literature hurts while it's occurring and for a few minutes afterwards, maybe up to half an hour, but not continuously. <laughs> um, but that was certainly my experience. And we did end up, I, you know, we treated myself for thrush potentially if that was an issue. I took, um, I did all of the treatments for vasospasm, including um, taking blood pressure medication, which then gave me a headache because it drops your blood pressure and mine is low anyway. Um, mm. But none of it really made any difference. Um, 
And it was so painful at times. I was really in tears, um, you know, just thinking I, I never was going to give up because there was no way I was not going to breastfeed him, but I just didn't know how I would keep going in a way um, or ha- how I would manage to do it. But then not every feed was as painful. Um, so then I'd have a few feeds where it was better and that would, that would, you know, keep me going a bit. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it still hurts sometimes. It's seven months down the track, my nipples still are sore to touch all the time. And, um, there are some days when it's really cold where, um, or at the end of a feed, he just chomps a little bit because he's teething and, they off they go again <laughs> so but it's got to a point where it's really manageable um and it's yeah there wow. are days where it's really it's pretty comfortable and it's fine but yeah that that part of it was much more challenging than I thought it would be I also got a lot of anxiety about a week after he was born where I really worried that my lactation actually had failed and <laughs> that I wasn't going to have enough milk for him um all these things that it's so normal that women worry about with their supply, but I thought I wouldn't because I had all this knowledge, but actually it uh, didn't help at all um, having all that knowledge. And I was trying to express and give him extra because he was jaundiced and he didn't poo for ages, and but he was we- he always weed well over what he was required to weed, so he, he was getting plenty, but yeah, there was quite a few phone calls in tears to Lisa and her having to counsel me through. And, um, yeah, I just realised how, um, yeah, being a midwife and a lactation consultant is actually probably, if anything, gives you more, more anxiety because you just know a bit too much about what could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to have any kind of um, judgment about things in a balanced way when it's your own baby. Yeah, absolutely. And mentioned a few times anxiety. Were they mm. already experienced that a little bit? Were Robbie and Lisa sort of monitoring you for postpartum anxiety? Or yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So Lisa always knew that I had pre-existing anxiety and um, she would help me with that in the pregnancy as well. And, yeah, she did. And at one point we did talk about, I think at about six weeks or might have been a bit before that, she did talk about um, that she could give me a referral. But I don't think I ever quite got to that point where I needed to see um, a psychologist or, or anyone. Um, I was always really able to be reassured by her because I did trust her. Um, and just gradually, you know, look, it still comes up about things, you know. I was messaging the, the mother's group about, you know, solids and things the other day and feeling worried that he wasn't getting enough in and, I just realise that's just that's just me, and I'll I'll just seek reassurance when I need to, and um, you know, yeah, just try and enjoy him really. But yeah, it was the really early postpartum period actually was quite stressful with having just moved, not being set up, not being fully unpacked, not having not having that sense of things in order for me was really hard, and I found it really hard to be out of bed for too long because my just everything would hurt, not particularly my perineum, but the the the, um, the grazes and everything would sort of ache. And, um, yeah, it was a bit of a blur. And, yeah, we did have family come around, but um, they were all really busy as well. And I, I think I really enjoy him the further away from that time we get, to be honest. It was quite quite an exhausting, stressful time the first couple of weeks. Um, yeah. 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 Really, you weren't really set up. Did you have to send him off with a shopping list and and pick some things up? Yeah, and Mum brought some nappies over and things like that. And um, we, you know, Tim was trying to put together the bassinet um so that we could put him down at least for some time to sleep, um, which he never did very well without being held. But you know, we, we when he was very young, we could um and set up the change table and like because we'd bought them secondhand but they were all in pieces you know they'd all been um taken apart so trying to set them all up and it was just I mean I think it would have been much less stressful had we been well established in our home before he was born um but that's how it was yeah so yeah um, you just get through yeah but all in all I, I do look on the birth as a really beautiful experience and you know feel like I would I would love to do it again. 
yeah. at some point, not quite yet. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, um, yeah, I guess after your first experience, is there anything that for next time you might think about doing differently or anything that you would hope for in another birth? Obviously, it's very unexpected and has its own plan, but anything yeah. you do differently? I think I would definitely want to have another home birth because it was so beautiful to just be able to get out of the pool and get into my own bed and have all our own things around us and the support we got. You know, we had them visit us the next day and they stayed for quite a long time after he was born and that that really um, sort of intimate one-on-one support where they knew me and Lisa, she could support me through my anxiety so well because she knew me so well, whereas if I just rang up the hospital and had some random midwife who would have meant well but not really known me from a bar of soap it would have been so much harder for them or for me to feel like I trusted them trusted their advice Mm. so I definitely want that again I think in terms of the actual birth well I I feel like there's a good chance we would go early again and that it'll be potentially even quicker Um, so that would be trying to make sure we get the midwives there but I think to the second stage, I would like to try not pushing so much um, and just maybe letting it take a bit longer. Um, yeah, I, I haven't actually asked Lisa whether there was a reason why she kind of wanted him to be born a bit quicker. There was no issues with his heart rate. They were monitoring that after every contraction and really, really regularly. There was never any um, – they never picked up any D-cells, decelerations and, you know, dropping in his heart rate. But whether she didn't want him sitting on the perineum for too long being his gestation, I'm not quite sure. But um, I just think for my own body and my healing, perhaps if I could breathe through and just let that take a little bit longer, that might, I don't know, it might, it might be better. I, you know, Maybe it won't make any difference, but I think that's something I'd like to try. But, um, but yeah, no, otherwise I think given the circumstances, um, really, you know, we'd be a bit more organised with the pool next time, I think. <laughs> that would be pretty pretty good yeah. for Tim to not have that stress. <laughs> um, yeah, get the pump ready. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll have it ready for like 30 weeks. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah, I felt, I actually felt really proud that we had done it and that even though, he was a little bit prem. We'd we'd monitored the situation. We had taken a calculated risk to have him at home. Um, we kept we did monitor his temperature for 48 hours or something. He did he was a little bit cold initially, so um, Tim sat up with him skin to skin um, after he'd fed and and had lots of skin to skin time with me just to keep him warm so I could have a sleep. I felt mm. I felt really I do feel quite proud that, that we managed it all really as well as we did and I feel quite proud of my body that I was able to to have the labour and not have any pain relief and um you know drug pain relief and and to birth him yeah because you do worry or you know I did have some I sort of deep down felt like I knew I would be able to do it but then on the surface when my anxiety would kick in I would feel sometimes like oh you know I hope I can (laughs) shit Mm. (laughs) so yeah yeah, thank you. I really loved hearing that story. And yeah, for me, it just highlighted a really, yeah, it's just a really beautiful example of the hospital system, but also, also having the experience that you want, you know, working really well hand in hand and, and finding that balance and just ending up with the most positive kind of outcome that you, that you could have had given the circumstances and, mm. and still being able to have all that reassurance from, you know, the hospital and the monitoring that you had that everything was okay. Yeah. So. And and they were really great in that they said, you know, you can come back any time if you have any concerns about him, you know, just call and come back straight in. You know, they, they were they did make it clear that I could I could access the hospital at any time. And I always said, you know, if there is any indication I am more than happy to go to hospital and have done whatever needs to be done. But if I don't need it, I I don't want it as a prophylactic, you know, I don't want it just in case there's a problem. Because um, that's one of the things that really struck home to me is that the hospital, the doctors are bound by the policy, and that's that's not their fault. That's just the way that institution works. And they're really good at giving you generic statistics about risk factors, but they can't give you a specific risk factor for your individual situation. And that's what we had to try and figure out for ourselves. 
with some support for Le- from Lisa as well and some help from her. Again, with her though, totally not telling us ever what we should do. But yeah, that was, that was what we had to take on responsibility for trying to work out for us. What, what is the risk for him of us going home? Um, and you know, it's, it wouldn't be, have, wouldn't have been wrong for us to have taken their advice and stayed in hospital. And for someone else, that might be the path that they chose. But for us, it was, um, yeah, we really, I really didn't feel like I would be able to labour well in hospital. I felt very uncomfortable there, which is funny given that I work there. But, um, yeah, I really, I didn't feel, I just, it actually surprised me how much I really just wanted to be sequestered away in our little home and have my baby. Yeah. So, yeah, so we were lucky that, you know, lucky and well prepared. And I think those two things work together that we were able to achieve that. Yeah, lovely. And Otto is going gangbusters now. He's he was a big healthy baby and Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, his his weight's on yeah. the yeah, just above the seventy fifth percentile. His head's just above the ninetieth percentile. He's a little shorty, his his height's <laughs> on like the twenty fifth, but he's tracking along beautifully along his curves. So he's he's yeah, he's nine and a half kilos already, so he's doing beautifully well. And I certainly have enough milk. <laughs> <laughs> that anxiety is gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, we might wrap things up there. As I said, really lovely to chat to you and have you share your story. Thanks, India. It was, it was really nice to be able to share. <laughs>